When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Hauser, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. The moon was high in the sky. A pale, shimmering light pouring its silver glow through the curtains of my bedroom. I just could not fall asleep, could not find peace for the characters of the stories that I'd been working on that night were having a party in my head. It was impossible to drift off to dreamland with them having such a ball. I drew back the curtains to contemplate the moon hoping its serene face would help me come to rest. Oh, I just want to sleep, I thought. The stars were sparkling particularly brightly that night, and I thought I saw a flurry of blue light dash through the night, like the tail of a shooting star. In an instant it was gone, and I decided that it was just a trick of the light, a reflection in the window. For the umpteenth time that night, I fluffed my pillow, turned away from the window and closed my eyes. And just as I thought I could at last drift off, I heard a soft thud against my window. This episode features only one story brought to you by my lovely co-host Simon Brooks. Simon has a unique way of delivering his stories with hope and humor, his fabulous character voices and vocal sound effects which we've all come to know and love. He will transport you wholeheartedly to places far, far away. Simon has also released several albums with stories which you can find on his website. Go check it out! But first, please enjoy the first part of the Japanese story of Isun Boshi. This story is a wonderful story from Japan. Part of it is actually set, I imagine, along the Katsutra River. And it starts with an elderly couple, a very elderly couple. A couple who wanted a child to keep them company in their old age. The woman, the wife, she would pray every day at her shrine in her home. Please, please give us a child to keep us company in our old age. Every day she prayed. And her husband would say, it is not possible, we are too old. But one night she had a dream and in this dream, a jinn, a genie, appeared. And the genie said, What is it that you wish? Ah, 
I would like a child for my husband and myself to keep us company in our old age. It doesn't matter if the child grows to be tall or if the child stays short or if the child is wide or thin, just as long as he's healthy and happy. Then your wish shall be granted. And the dream to her seemed so real that she told her husband about it. We are too old to have children. We shall see what we shall see. But over the next few weeks, her thumb began to swell. Yes, her thumb. It got larger and larger, and eventually the skin split, and into her palm fell a teeny tiny little child. <laughs> husband, husband, look, we have a child. That is not possible. That's our child? The child was no bigger than her thumb. It was like a baby mouse. How will we feed this child? I, I shall make a dropper. And so the husband, the father, made a wooden dropper. And that's how they fed this, this little teeny tiny baby. The child's eyes were so bright. They knew that this child would be smart, would be intelligent. And they assumed, like every other child, that as time went on, the child would get bigger and bigger and bigger. But the child grew no larger than her thumb. And so they called him Isumboshi, the one-inch boy. They were not wrong about the child being intelligent, about being smart. Within three weeks, three weeks he was walking. By a month and a half he was running everywhere. When Isumboshi was six months old, he and his father were making levers and pulleys with baskets in them, that could take Isumboshi from one part of the house to the next, so he wouldn't be under their feet. They sent him to school, he was so smart. He was not even a year old. He loved school, but then one day he came home, and his face was filled with sadness. What is wrong, Isumboshi? Why the long face? Why so sad? All the, all the other boys, they call me little tiny boy and, and little pipsqueak and squirt, and they say I'll never be big and strong and brave. Big and strong and brave doesn't mean that you have to be large. When I was younger, I knew some samurai warriors who were brave and strong, it, it seemed. But if you were to hold a little mouse up and by its tail and wave it in front of them, they would scream like little children and run away. No, bravery comes from the inside. Be brave on the inside, Isumboshi, and your strength will grow. And so that's what Isumboshi did. He became strong on the inside, brave on the inside. He ignored the bullies, as his father had told him, and he grew smarter and wiser, although he always stayed no bigger than the size of his mother's thumb. One day he came back from school and asked his parents if he could go travelling. He wanted to go to Kyoto. Why Kyoto? Yes, why Kyoto? Why do you want to go there? Because that's where all the warriors go to train, and I want to be a warrior. I want to be big and strong and brave and be a warrior one day. In Japan... They have a saying that 
That is, if you want your children to be smart and intelligent, then they need to travel. And so they agreed to let Isumboshi travel to Kyoto. They made him new sandals, wove him a new hat. They made him new clothes to wear for his journey. They gave him a sword to protect himself and a shield. The sword was actually a pin, and the scabbard was a dried mouse's tail. The shield that they gave him was actually a wooden soup bowl, which they attached a strap to so he could throw it over his shoulder. And for a walking stick, they gave him a chopstick. And it was fine and mighty for little Isamboshi, and they blessed him. And he blessed them in return. And he said to them, when I have become successful, I will return and I will look after you. Travel safely, my son. Yes, dear, travel safely. And off he went. Now he knew the general direction of where Kyoto was. And to get there, he needed to reach the river. But to get to the river, he had to pass through a huge field of tall grass. And Isamboshi, with his backpack on, his, his shield thrown over his shoulder, and his, his sword tied to his waist and his great walking stick, he marched through that field of tall grass. But after a while, he began to get worried. It seemed that he'd been walking there for hours and hours, and he started to worry that maybe he was walking around and around in circles. Isamboshi had tried to find his way out of the field by climbing up a blade of grass, but that just bent over with his weight. He tried to braid two, three, four blades of grass together, but even then they weren't strong enough to hold his weight before he could see over the top of the grass. Maybe I'm going to get lost. I don't want to get lost. I don't want to stay stuck in this field forever and ever. I want to reach the great river. I have to be brave on the inside. I have to be strong on the inside. And as he thought about this, a little mouse went running by. Oh, mouse, mouse, many blessings upon you. What is it? What is it? What is it? What do you, what do you need? Many blessings upon you too. Ah, I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I'm, gathering, I'm gathering seeds and grasses for my family back home. Oh, mouse, I, I need some help. Please, could you help me? Mouse, I need to get to Kyoto. I can't take you to Kyoto. That's, that's way too far. I've got to look after my own family. I'm, no, 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 no. I just need to be able to reach the river. Oh, that's easy. How do I get there? Well, listen. Okay. What? 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 Listen, I am, but you're not telling me anything. No, 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 no. Just listen. Listen carefully. And Isamboshi listened. And he thought that he could hear the sound of water. Powerful, strong, roaring water. And the mouse saw the look on Isamboshi's face. And the mouse knew that he had heard the sound of the river. Follow that sound, and it'll take you to the river, and then follow the direction of the river, for it takes you to Kyoto. Oh, many blessings upon you. Thank you so much, Mouse. You're very welcome, and very many, 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 many blessings upon you too. And the mouse ran off, gathering seeds and grasses for its family, and Isamboshi followed the sound of the river until he came out of the field and came up to the banks. He looked down the length of it, he could see it stretch for miles in a straight line. He knew it would take him a long time to walk that distance, so he decided to look for a boat. There were no boats on this side of the river. He looked to the other side of the river to see if there were any boats there. But even if there were, there was no way he could swim across the river to get to those boats. 
he'd be swept away. But then he had an idea. The shield. It was a soup bowl. He could, he could sit in it. So he, he made his way to the very edge of the river. He held on to a root that was sticking out and lowered the bowl in, holding on to it, not letting go, and then slowly set his feet in it. And when he felt balanced, lowering himself down into the bottom of the bowl, he let go of the root and... Off the boat went. Off the soup bowl went down the river. Off his shield went. And in it sat Isamboshi. And on and on he floated. When the river did eventually turn, he used his great chopstick, his walking stick, to steer him out of the slow water to make sure that he could keep a good speed going in the faster waters. When boulders appeared, he was able to steer out of the way with that chopstick of his. And on and on he went. Then, in the distance, he saw the river split. He wasn't sure if he should go on the, on the left-hand branch or down the right-hand branch. One would take him to Kyoto, but one presumably would not. Which one should I take? I, I, I don't know. What if I take the wrong one? Then I'll never get to Kyoto. I'll, I'll be lost forever. I have to be brave. I have to be strong on the inside. And just then, he saw a dragonfly skipping up and down, left and right, over the water surface. Oh, dragonfly, dragonfly, many blessings upon you. Oh, and many blessings upon you. What can I do for you, little man? Uh, I'm trying to get to Kyoto, and I see up ahead the river diverges, and I'm not sure if I should take the left branch or the right branch. You should take the left branch. That'll take you to Kyoto, and you should be there. Just as the sun rises, if the current stays as strong as it does. Oh, thank you, many blessings upon you. And many blessings upon you, said the dragonfly. And off it flew. And Isamboshi sailed in his soup bowl shield. And the sun slowly set. And Isamboshi nodded off to sleep. The warm rays of the morning sun woke him up. There was dew on his face and in the boat. He rubbed his eyes and opened them and looked, and he saw not too far off a great bridge, and on the one side of the river, the far side of the river, there was a great city. If the dragonfly was right, that must be Kyoto, for it is dawn. And so he, he got to the edge of the river bank and pulled himself out. He was on the wrong side of the river, but he, he made his way up to the bridge and made his way across the bridge. And when he got to the, the apex, the zenith of the bridge, the highest point of the bridge, and looked down upon the city of Kyoto, he was amazed. The village he lived in was small. It was beautiful, but small. There were a few shops there. Most people grew their own food. They did their own baking. They made their own clothes. But here in Kyoto, he could see shops that sold things. Not just pottery, but beautiful porcelain works. Clothing shops. People were running by with these carts attached to them. Small carts with other people in them. He thought this was most peculiar. In his town, if people needed to go anywhere and they weren't going to walk, they would ride an ox and not be pulled by another one of their own people. And when people started to come out of their homes and into the city, Isamboshi saw how many people there were. 
thousands of people. He thought all the people in the world that weren't in his village were here in Kyoto. There were so many people. The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Sweet Slumber by the Blue Fairies. Do you ever struggle to find peace after a long day, to drift off to dreamland after trudging on the beaten path all day? Worry no more. The Blue Fairies haste to the rescue of all insomniacs and involuntary creatures of the night. From aromatherapy with lavender dust to the soothing sound treatment of our wings-wide noise, your wish of peaceful slumber all night long is but one wish away. Catch your nearest blue star to place your order, and soon your sleepless nights will be but a dream long gone. Sweet slumber by the Blue Fairies, offering the solution for all your sleep-related problems across all seven seas and beyond. This episode is also brought to you by our new patron Rowena. Not only is she a patron of the arts and generous supporter of storytelling, Rowena also has the enchanting ability to blow bubbles from the tip of her index finger. If you're looking for a bit of shimmering whimsy to add to your day, Rowena is definitely the person to go to. Thank you so much Rowena for being a patron. I sat up, and there, on the sill outside my window, I saw a creature flitting around, wildly waving an even tinier wand. Was it a fairy? Carefully, so as not to spook it, I opened the window. Hello? I whispered. She looked at me, her lavender eyes widened. Oh no! She gasped. You were not supposed to see me. I I was supposed to morph through the glass of your window to work my magic. She seemed disappointed on more than one level. I am a new fairy, she confessed in a small voice, and, and heard your wish upon the blue star, and, and, and I wanted you to find sleep, so I came to your rescue immediately. It's not too late, I said with a sigh. As you can see, I'm still awake. Would you like to try and work your magic? Yes! She exclaimed and clapped her hands, darting past my head into my room in a blue flash. All right, she instructed. Sit back and let me do the assessment. I wasn't quite sure what she meant by that, but obliged anyway. The tiny fairy squinted at me and opened her mouth, closed it again, squinted harder and then declared, I don't think we have a severe case of insomnia on our hands here. It's just that your thoughts are racing, not letting you find the peace you need to fall asleep. I smiled and nodded. Yes, she exclaimed. Yes, flew a looping and high five to the air. Right, she said, let's get started. Her tone was all, let's get down to business. I prescribe you... Wait, no, her hand clapped over her mouth. 
I'm not supposed to tell you. You just, you just lay back and relax and let me work my magic. I did as I was told, closed my eyes and... The next thing I knew was the loud jingle of my alarm pulling me out of a deep slumber. It was the first time in a long, long while that I felt truly rested and when I squinted against the bright morning light, I sent a silent thank you into the sky to my guardian fairy. And if you also ever have trouble finding sleep, rest assured that there is someone looking out for you too. And now, on to the second part of Simon's telling of Ishun Boshi. Now the people of Kyoto, unlike his village, did not know about Isumboshi. And he knew that if he started to walk on the streets, then he might get crushed, he might get stepped on. And so he thought about what he had to do. I have to be brave, I have to be strong. And an idea came to him. And he leapt on someone's sandal, held onto their pant leg, and rode on this person unknown from one part of Kyoto to another. And when he had explored that area, he jumped off that shoe and leapt on somebody else's sandal. And that person, unknowingly, took Isamboshi to another part of Kyoto. And so he spent half of the day going from one part of Kyoto to the other, riding on people's sandals, on people's feet. He saw buildings that he'd never seen before. Palaces, magnificent temples, huge buildings with red terracotta tiles, dragons on pillars, red and gold, beautiful colours, flags flew... This was the most remarkable place he had ever seen. And then he saw this, this building, this, this home, a small palace. Dragons were set up on the roof. The gardens, what he could see of them, were, were beautiful. He jumped off the sandal that he was on and made his way up to the front door and banged on it with his hand. Nobody could hear him, his... His knock was not very loud, being only one inch tall. So he, he banged with both fists, but still, it still wasn't a great sound. And so he took his great walking stick and hit that against the door, but... It was still only a chopstick. So he shouted and jumped up and down and waved with his arms. Nobody came because nobody heard him, but a woman... The movement that Isamboshi was making caught her eye and she saw him standing there on the step, tiny though he was, and she went over amazed at this one-inch boy and picked him up and asked what he needed. Uh, I need to speak to the lord of the house, please. So the woman knocked on the door and the lord of the house came. What can I do for you? Uh, This young boy, he wants to see you. And she held out her hand where Isamboshi was standing. The Lord held his hand out, and Isamboshi jumped from one palm onto the other. The Lord thanked the woman who left, and then nodded to Isamboshi. What can I do for you? I want to be a warrior, and I was hoping that maybe you could train me to be a warrior. Well, the Lord just burst out laughing. You are but one inch tall. How can you be a warrior? The Lord's daughter came out, 
she was probably the same age as Isamboshi, but she was a regular-sized 12-year-old girl. Father, what is that? I think it is more of a who. What is your name, young man? My name is Isamboshi, and I want to be a great warrior someday, and I was hoping that you would train me, your lordship. The little girl started laughing. He's so cute and so small. And she poked him in the stomach. Hey, don't do that. She giggled. A bee started to fly around the girl. And the girl did not like bees, it turned out. And she started to slap and swipe with her hand at the bee. And bees do not generally like to be swiped at. And the bee became more angry. And Isumboshi saw this. And he saw the bee was about to sting this young princess. And so he drew his sword. He drew that pin from his scabbard. And he leapt off the Lord's hand, jumping towards the bee. And with that pin sword that he had, he cut through the bee's wings and the bee fell to the ground. The Lord, seeing Isamboshi fall, swept his hand down and caught him just in time before he hit the ground. You are truly brave, young man. You saved my daughter from that bee, a great risk to yourself. I shall train you to be a warrior. Oh, thank you so much, your lordship. You will be my daughter's companion and friend. I can have him, daddy. Yes, you can have him, but no more poke him in the belly. I promise I won't, daddy. Thank you so much, said Isamboshi, and he jumped from the lord's hand into the girl's hand, and they became the best of friends. The young girl, she taught him many things. She taught him calligraphy. She gave him a brush with just a single hair that was so fine and beautiful. Isamboshi learnt how to do calligraphy. He learnt how to write. She taught him how to play chess, him pushing the great chess pieces with all of his might across the chessboard, while she just used her fingers and lifted them up to move. They went everywhere together. When the young princess could not sleep, Isamboshi would lay on her pillow next to her ear and would tell of the stories that his parents had told him when he couldn't get to sleep when he was young. The years passed, and Isamboshi was trained to become a warrior. Just one inch tall, he was given a brand new sword, a real sword, not a pin, but a real sword. Isamboshi was so proud. On the princess's 16th birthday, the Lord told her that she needed to go to the family shrine, which was deep in the forests outside of Kyoto. Pray to our family ancestors, for it is your 16th birthday, and take Isamboshi with you. And of course, Isamboshi went with her, as he did every time, tucked into her long kimono sleeves. And they laughed and joked as they made their way through Kyoto and into the forest. Deeper and deeper they went, past huge trees, past great boulders that lay on the forest floor. And then, from between two trees, came out a great monster. Huge clawed feet, long talons instead of fingers, horns growing out of its head, eyes blaring red, a nose the size of which the princess had never seen before, huge bulbous, cankerous. It was disgusting. You're very pretty, 
Uh, get, get away from me, you disgusting beast. You, you smell terrible. I'm going to make you my wife. No, you're not. Who's going to stop me? There's nobody else in this forest for miles. Get away from me, you horrible beast. Get away from me. Isamboshi. Isamboshi. There's nobody here. But Isamboshi heard her cries and leapt up onto her hand. Isamboshi drew his sword. Back away from me, you villain. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you, you little pipsqueak. You're going you're gonna to save her from me. My, my big giant monster that I am and you, you're not even an inch tall <laughs> you can't stop me the creature grabbed hold of Isamboshi held him in his fist what are you going to do to me well Isamboshi took his sword and shoved it into his finger ow that hurt stop that Isamboshi shoved the sword into his finger again ow stop it that really hurts again and again Isamboshi stabbed the monster's thumb and fingers you stop that right the creature opened his maw his huge mouth and thrust Isamboshi in and swallowed Isamboshi whole the princess fell down in a dead faint but Isamboshi swallowed whole had his sword in his hand and as he slid down the throat of the creature he dragged his sword down the inside of the throat of the creature and when Isamboshi ended up in the belly of the beast he poked the inside of the belly of the beast with his sword thrusting it hard ow ow stop that he stabbed and stabbed stop that get hurt it God, it tickles, but it hurts more than it tickles. The creature fell down, rolling over and over, thumping his own stomach. Isamboshi from the inside, poking the inside of the monster's belly. Closer and closer, they came to the edge of a great cliff until... <laughs> the creature was dead. Isamboshi, inside the belly of the beast, stood up. Oh, it's disgusting in here. I think he's dead. He started to cut a hole in the belly and climbed out, covered in slime and the goo of the inside of this, this stomach. This is disgusting. This is horrible. He washed himself off with a leaf, but the princess, she's still at the top. I have to make sure that she's still all right. Isamboshi called down a bird and asked if he could ride its back to the top of the cliff. And the bird said yes. Flew him up there and he jumped off. Many blessings, thank you so much. You're very welcome, said the bird, and many blessings upon you too. And she flew off. When Isamboshi got to the top of the cliff, there was the princess. She was still unconscious, but there were more of those monsters standing around her. One had an arm, another two had a leg each, one had a hair, and they were pulling her in different directions. Oh, I want her now. No, I want her. She's all mine. No, I want her. I'm bigger than the rest of you. No, give it to me. Uh, it's my turn. All you fellas, you always get more than I do. Unhand her. Leave her alone. Called out Isamboshi. Here, isn't that that little fellow that our chief just swallowed? Yeah, yeah. Hang on. Yeah, hang on. What's he doing up here? Where's our chief? I killed him, said Isamboshi, moving forward with the sword. Now back away from the princess. You're just a little pipsqueak, can you? 
He's down at the bottom of the cliff if you don't believe me. He must. He must have killed him. How else could he be up here? We're, we're really sorry. We're... Get away from it or I'll do the same to you that I did to your chief. Now, please, leave us alone. Don't hurt us. We, we, don't, we didn't mean no harm. Get away from her. You're not to hurt her. In fact, you're not to hurt anybody else that comes into these forests again. We promise not to hurt anybody in these forests ever again. How can I trust you? I, I know. We could give him a gift to show that we mean our word. Yes, but what could we give him? We could give him the uh, magical mallet. One of the other creatures ran off and came back with this huge mallet, this big, heavy hammer, and laid it very carefully down at Isambosh's feet. What, what, what does it do? You can make... A wish on it, not just one wish, no. Not just three wishes, you can have as many wishes as you want. It's wish after wish after wish after wish, it's a magical mallet. Yeah, it's not a special offer that runs out neither, it goes on forever. All you got to do is lift it up and hit it on the ground. And you swear you'll never hurt another human being that comes through these woods again? We promise. Then go and scatter. Isamboshi yelled at the creatures and they all ran, leaving the princess there behind. Isamboshi tried to shake her awake, but she was still unconscious. He tried to lift the hammer, the mallet, but it was too big and heavy for him to lift. So he sat on it and waited until the princess woke up. When her eyes opened and she saw Isamboshi sitting there, she said, Have I died and gone to heaven? No. Why do you think you've died and gone to heaven? Well, that creature, it, it ate you. That was the last thing I remember. Oh, no, no, no. I killed the creature, and there were other creatures as well, and I sa saved you from all of them. Isamboshi told the princess what had happened. You saved me again? The mallet, what's that for? Oh, it was a gift from the creatures. They said that it's a wishing mallet, but I, I can't lift it up. It's too heavy. Would you like me to wish for you? Oh, that would be great. Isamboshi jumped down, and the princess lifted up the hammer. What would you like to wish for? What? Well, I'd like to be normal-sized. I'd like to be as big as you. And so she hit the hammer on the ground. Make Isamboshi bigger. And Isamboshi grew. He was about six inches tall. It works! Make Isamboshi bigger still. He grew up to be three feet tall. Oh my gosh, look at you. You're, you're getting so much bigger now. He was five feet tall. Oh! Hi! He was six feet tall. That's enough now. That's enough. Oh, Isamboshi, you're so tall and... And we should go to the shrine now, said Isamboshi. Let, 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 you need to say your prayers to your family. Okay, she said. Isamboshi held out his arm and they walked together to the family shrine. And they both prayed to their ancestors and made their way back to her home. When the Lord saw Isamboshi, he turned to his daughter... Who is this, this this young man that you have brought back with you? Where is Isamboshi? This is Isamboshi, father. This is Isamboshi is no more than an inch tall. Who is this young man? It, it, it is I, sir. Honestly, it is I. And the Lord looked closely at Isamboshi and saw that it was indeed the boy. How is this so? And so Isamboshi and the Lord's daughter told him what had happened. That is twice you have saved my daughter's life. First with the bee when you sliced through its wings and now these creatures. I shall give you anything that you want, Isamboshi. No, no. You train me to be a great warrior and her 
bodyguard and protector, her companion. I was doing my job. But you have done more than that. You have protected all of the people of Kyoto from those creatures in the forests. That is truly heroic. I will give you anything you desire, Isamboshi, for saving us from these creatures. Well, the only thing that I would like isn't really a thing, and I'm just a, a poor country lad, and, and what are you talking about? Yes, what are you talking about? Isamboshi looked between the lord and the princess. Well, ever since I saw your daughter, I thought she was the most beautiful girl I had ever seen, and now she is the most beautiful woman I have ever seen. I have always loved her. But I am, like I said, a poor boy from a, a farming community. The only wish that I would have would be that if your daughter would marry me, then I would be happy to marry her. Do you love this boy, my dear? Well, when I first saw Zamboshi and he was so small, I thought he was ever so cute, but he was so small and it was kind of weird, but then he got bigger and now he's, he's ever so handsome. Can we get married, Daddy? If that's what you wish. It was what they both wished. And so Isamboshi and the princess were married. And Isamboshi became a successful man. He built a house for him and his wife. This is not the end of the story. You see, Isamboshi remembered his parents and what he had promised them. And so he went back to that tiny little village. And when he knocked on his parents' door, they recognized him immediately, even though he was now six feet tall and not the one-inch boy that had left. And he asked them if they would move back to Kyoto with him and his wife. And they did. And I hope they all lived happily. The end. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Simon Brooks at simonbrooksstoryteller.com and of course, here on the podcast. Tell him you heard him on the podcast and now want to hear him tell more stories. If you have questions or comments for the podcast, you can send them to us at storystorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with me directly at isabelhauser.com. If you get in touch, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was a blue light I saw one night reflecting back in the window. My boyfriend argued that this was just the light of the phone charger. However, I'm not so sure. And this was also the inspiration for the fairy tale sponsor. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories soon. And until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door. 
You can even hear the festive music from the royal court. 